When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. like a raven we are back after one week to discuss football raven football a game was played players have impressed some have done less of that and we are here to discuss it i'm antonio barbera joined as always by my two co-hosts starting on the west coast this time jace evans jace i may have had to drag you from your slumber to get this episode recorded uh, which is not a you problem. That was a, that was a me problem all the way. But uh, thanks for thanks for joining us this morning. Yeah, it's a, a, a bright and early one here on the West Coast. Just cracked noon, but uh, uh, yeah, doing good. Uh, ready to talk some Ravens, uh, the team that cannot lose in the preseason. And joining us on the East Coast is Tim Horsey. Tim, we we've seen some Ravens football now. I, I assume you're you're feeling much better, just in general, than you were a week ago with uh, with football back in our lives. Generally, yes. Um, <laughs> you know, it's the annual reminder you get so excited to watch just horrific football. But it was purple uniforms out there. It was John Harbaugh trying way too hard in the preseason. It's everything that we want um, during this time, during August, to get us ramped up for the regular season. So, yeah, overall, it was it was really good to see. Ravens winners in week one of the preseason, 17-14 over the Saints. And they continue one of the odder streaks in the NFL, which is 18 straight postseason <laughs> wins of games that are absolutely meaningless and resort to third stringers, usually around the second quarter uh, of these games. But nonetheless, the Ravens, winners in this one. We're going to go through what we liked, what was good, what was bad, what was bizarre, uh, before we turn to uh, some general NFL action and then uh, preview the next preseason game, as we are now weekly here with, with Ravens football. But let's start with this Saints game. A couple of good points, guys. There was some bad, certainly. There was some ugly, certainly. But let's start with things that we liked. Tim, let's start with you. I, th- I think you're going to go defensive here to start off. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the only good things I really have to say are on the defensive side of the ball. Um, 
I'll go very general, and then we can break things down so I'm not just ranting and rambling. First off, and most importantly, Wink Martindale is in midseason form, and I'm not talking about the blitz packages. I'm not talking about the on-field play. I'm not talking about the six takeaways. I'm talking about the gold chain. Uh, the gold chain, the slow-mo fist bump that the check down, God bless them, screen capped and then tweeted out. Uh, I then just, you know, stole that picture, for lack of a better term, and just on my own Twitter, at Tim Horsey, if you want to give it a follow. Shameless plug there. Wink is my spirit animal, is what I captioned that. And he is. I love that man to death. Um, he is more than deserving of a head coaching job, but selfishly, I hope he never gets one, and I hope he's in Baltimore for the rest of our lives. Um, on that, I mean, we'll talk about the takeaways, and I'll, I'll leave that conversation because I feel like we should all go in more detail about that. Um, I loved Adafe Owe and Dalen Hayes. I thought Adafe Owe was power and pace. I mean, the guy was playing gunner on special teams, which is the viral clip now, and he was, said he was pissed that it was a fair catch because he wanted to go hit somebody. Love that <laughs> attitude from him. Um, and then the, the other quick ones here, um, and I know Jace has a couple that he wants to talk about as well. Um, in terms of the defensive side of the ball, the Ravens love Brandon Stevens, or at least Jerry Sandusky, Rod Woodson, and Mike Nolan would have you believe that. Because all I think they spent 65% of the broadcast talking about Brandon Stevens. If you didn't know, he used to play running back. I, I knew that, but he, they had to tell the masses 700 times. And we'll He's get to a that. project, Tim. <laughs> yeah, a real project. But a project who played a lot of reps with that first team when they were out there. And a guy that was a slot corner in college at SMU, they drafted him to be a safety, but then they were trying him out at slot corner as well, With where you already have guys like Anthony Avret, um, Tavon Young, Jimmy Smith, what have you. So I, I, liked, I liked his play um, being you know a fan, not somebody that breaks down film all the time, but the, I really liked more the aspect that it seems like the Ravens trust him and the Ravens want him to be out there uh, in big moments, which I thought was nice. And then we'll talk about Patrick Queen. Uh, I think it's an obvious one. But the guy next to him, another guy in that same category of look where the Ravens are putting him on the depth chart and look who he's getting reps with and look who played well is Malik Harrison, the other linebacker who got drafted um, with Patty Queen last year in the third round at Ohio State. The, I think he's made of granite. I'm pretty sure because he just anytime anything runs into him, it stops and he just is up straight. Uh, he's a thumper. It's the thing that he always, he's always been known for and a really good foil to Patrick Queen, I think, in that middle linebacking room because he, you know, Patty is the, is the speed guy and we're going to talk about him, I'm sure, in depth here. Um, but I, those are some of the guys that I really liked. And yeah, defense, defense, defense for me. I thought they were very, very impressive, albeit going up against one quarterback and one gadget player who apparently is going to be the starting quarterback in this team well i was gonna to say to him that actually i think is what encouraged me probably the most uh from this defensive performance you you said wink martindale in mid-season form six takeaways for this ravens defense and uh as you said like a number of those in the first half an interception each off of uh Taysom hill and Jameis winston um, and, uh, you know, they make Latavius Murray fumble. He's a, he's a real running back. He, he will play, uh, big, big, uh, big time for the Saints this year. So, uh, I was encouraged by that because especially, you know, the, the picks off of Taysom Hill, Jameis Winston, say what you want about either man, but they're going, one of those guys is going to be the starter of that team. So it's good to see them, you know, step up and, uh, kind of make those plays and, you know, the, the pick. Uh, off of Jameis they turned into points right before the half with a nice little drive so 
yeah, I think those takeaways, I, I think that's something you could definitely take away moving forward. I, I, I was certainly very pleased to say that. And we should. I want to shout out one of the guys who made two of those interceptions uh, of the multiple uh, of the three the Ravens had in the game. Uh, Geno Stone, seventh round pick for the Ravens in 2020. Um, they've cut him on multiple occasions. He's been on the practice squad. So, you know, I don't know if he'll stick around per se, but a performance like that certainly helps. Uh, uh, you know, even if it's just right place, right time, he put himself in the right place. So, uh, it was nice for him, I think, to have that little moment, uh, and get those picks. The defensive performance was strange to me because they were giving up some big chunk plays <laughs> on the ground in the air like maybe not busted coverage but very open receivers 15 20 yards downfield and then they would just immediately get a takeaway and that would end the drive and it sort of maybe glossed over a little bit of uh, some of the defensive mistakes that wink martindale the other thing tim they kept showing was <laughs> how quickly he would sour after any play that gained more than five <laughs> yards but when you get the turnovers, you get the turnovers. I mean, that that's something that you hope translates to uh, to the regular season, which they certainly were not high in the NFL in interceptions. So it's good to see that type of change. I feel like they had a thousand fumble recoveries last season, which is a tough stat to repeat. But it's nice to see the takeaways coming, and when the starters are plugged into that defensive lineup, uh, you sort of assume some of the mistakes and, and some of the gaps are, are resolved. Loved Owe. I, I maybe have been a little bit of a skeptic early on here because I hadn't seen him actually play against competition. But he looks good. He looks like he's got some serious burst, serious size. Uh, I, Tim, I noted here he played as a gunner on special teams for a play or two, which is just sort of fun to hear. I would love to, love to see how often they continue that throughout this preseason, testing him in different spots, but... Uh, I'm not going to say I'm a convert because that's sort of maybe a little early to 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 say that. But he was all over the field uh, in his first game, uh, and, and I'm in. He's gigantic. He can fly around the field, uh, and I thought he maybe was the second best defender of the day in sort of small spurts, only compared to uh, to Patrick Queen, who had himself sort of sadly maybe the best half of his career guys thoughts on uh, Patrick Queen in a preseason game just real quickly I, I want to highlight OA a little bit because we've we've heard pace power speed pace and power there's my soccer talking speed you know strength all the physical tools right but it seems like he really wants to learn and he has a variety of different moves and things. There, there was, as we record this on Monday, there was a clip that came out of the Ravens where he said, I know Ronnie Stanley is still kind of recovering. I want to go up against Stanley every single time because when I do, I get to learn different things. And you're playing against athletes in this league at left tackle. So you can't just beat them with your own athleticism. And we saw that. Owe, who is a big guy, but obviously not as big as tackles, was blowing tackles up at the line of scrimmage. NFL outside, like outside, offensive tackles, excuse me. Blowing them up, but then also using different moves and setting them up with a move outside to counter move inside. He had one, and I can't remember, I don't think it led to a sack. I don't think he had any sacks on the night. If, if I quickly look here um, at the... He should have had one. He kind of... <laughs> <laughs> he made a good uh, dip move. So this is okay. This is the play I'm talking about, then, Jace. Thank you. 
where he didn't get one quite yet, but what he it was 73, whoever the tackle is for the Saints. Apologies, this is not a Saints podcast. Who cares who it is? He comes around the edge, and he's and what they talk about with outside linebackers, defensive ends, pass rushers, is getting low to the ground, low center of gravity, keeping their distance from the offensive tackle to try and get around them, make sure the guy doesn't get his hands on him. He gets up in the guy's chest, but he's so low, and his bend is so low, and I know this is an audio medium, so I'm going to do what I can to explain this, and kind of takes the guy, rips his inside arm under the tackle, and while he's doing that, pushes the tackle by him, so he can just kind of slip and slither by him in, in one fluid, beautiful, crisp move. And I'm not a man to rewind football because I like my football live. I rewound that play once or twice because I, it was orgasmic, to put it in simple terms. <laughs> it was incredible. And again, a guy who technically isn't a starter for this team yet, if he can develop and grow, and I'm not saying immediately rookie 20 sacks or whatever it is, but learn from a guy like Justin Houston, like we talked about. Learn from Pernell McPhee, Tyus Bowser, all these guys. And then in his rookie year, you know, he does. it seems like he does a lot of stuff well. But if you don't want to put as much pressure on him, you bring him in on third and seven and say, go get that guy throwing the football. Um, so, yeah, that, I just wanted to put a bow on Owe and how impressed I was with him. Jace, you have the floor for Mr. Patrick Queen. Yeah, to Antonio's point, he had that that one series where it seemed like he made <laughs> every single play, all three downs. I, you know, he, he uh, uh, the 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 sack on uh, Taysom Hill was very nice to see. You know, he 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 gets straight up just stoned at the line of scrimmage, but he sticks with the play and uh, has the good fortune of Taysom Hill rolling right into his <laughs> right out of his protection. So uh, to see Patrick Queen. You know, chase him down, and he he just made a number of great plays. He, you know, he's uh, he ends the the game second on the team and tackles uh, behind Brandon Stevens, who uh, Tim had mentioned. Um, but uh, yeah, Patrick Queen four four solo tackles, a sack, two tackles for loss. Uh, great. Uh, he sniffed numbers... out a screen, Jace, at a certain point, and the speed getting to the edge. Well, I don't remember seeing him with that sort of sort of power, you know, burst in power last year, and uh, we were all sort of debating whether or not he's gained weight or not. It's un- yeah. unclear. <laughs> well, the screen, the screen, real quickly, the screen's the impressive play because not only we we know he's got speed and the burst, as you said, Antonio, seemed even better than it did last year. But it's the recognition. He recognizes that play. Maybe it maybe took him a second maybe a second and a half at absolute max before he's turning his back. And all we see is that God awful number six, which we'll get to in dislikes, I guess, if we really want to long story short, it's terrible. His body is too wide for a small number like that. And as we've proved on pod, like a Raven six is the worst number in the Ravens fine, but he turns his back and gets right to the running back and recognizes that play so quickly and that is what you want to see from a second year guy after his rookie season and his second camp and everything kind of diagnosing that stuff yeah and i think with queen it's important to remember him and we you know you mentioned malik harrison another guy just matabuke people are high on this is like their first normal off season in the nfl uh all these guys were rookies in 2020 and they just didn't you know they're i believe they were all over like i don't think they had any type of like rookie mini camp uh so they were like all virtual until training camp and then you had like the limits on practice the the meeting size all that stuff um 
and so this is for a lot of these guys like their first kind of normal off season and i think you know maybe it's us seeing what we want to see but you know with patrick queen he's he seemed bigger to me so that you know maybe you think he has an off season to add weight in a normal setting you know develop just develop in a normal way uh and so I don't know. I'm very encouraged, and I think he could have a very good season. I know I shouldn't get my hopes up uh, after one preseason game, but he looked really good, and I was I was I was really uh, really impressed with him. One thing I did want to actually just mention uh, from Owe, which I enjoyed. Uh, I saw this quote um, on Twitter uh, talking about uh, what he's learned from Justin Houston, who should we we should also say is wearing number 50 now, Tim. I know this was a big uh We were all over. We were all over this last week. For you, Thank but, God. Uh, but um, from the learning side of things, Owe said, uh, this was via Jamison Hensley, uh, Ravens first round pick Adafa Owe on what it's like to learn from Pro Bowl pass rusher Justin Houston. He's like Yoda. He knows everything. What a quote. I love that. Uh, so I, I'm very encouraged by, you know, in... You gotta hit on these guys, but they're they're defensive first round picks back to back. Leave me encouraged. Development of Patrick Queen, what we've seen from Oway so far, um, I think all good news. You guys mentioned Brandon Stevens as jokingly a project uh, about I don't know five ten minutes ago, uh, and I'm gonna use that as the pivot to you know what else is a project is the Ravens offensive line, which <laughs> after one football game. Did not look great, guys, so we're going to turn to the bad stuff here, which was mostly, or if not all, uh, on the offensive side of things, and it started up front. Uh, I'll mention it now. The starting five guys was Tyree Phillips at left tackle, which, oh boy, uh, Makari at left guard, Bozeman at center, Ben Powers at right guard, and then Villanueva in his what will be his, his sort of starting spot, we would think, at right tackle. Uh, it wasn't good, Tim. From the start, getting pushed back, getting organized, pass protecting, run protecting. Uh, is there any uh, solution here? First of all, what did you see? And then uh, do you think there's any solution here outside of getting starters in? Uh, well, first of all, I know you're the nice guy on this podcast when you said it wasn't very good. It was horrific. It was horrendous. And this team is going to win maybe six games if they play like that even with Lamar Jackson behind, behind them. Um, it was diabolically bad. Um, you could have lined up Jace and I at left tackle and left guard, and we probably would have done better. I'm, I'm, I'm that furious with that performance um, from, from this offensive line. All of that being said, like you mentioned, three of those guys, we hope, will, won't be starting come week one. You know, the, the, the starting lineup I still have confidence in. Uh, ben Cleveland, who had a concussion, he's going to be back. Kevin Zeitler, who returned to practice on Monday, are your two guards. In the middle of them, Bradley Bozeman. And then on your outside, you have Alejandro Villanueva um, and, and Ronnie Stanley, who obviously is the, the, the linchpin, the gold star student of that offensive line. Um, I don't know what to say. It, it, was, it was like watching the worst versions of the Ravens offensive line over the years where there's three or four guys, defensive players in the backfield right at the start of the play. And we'll talk about the quarterbacks, you know, that's if Lamar goes down, we're winning maybe a game. If either, either one of those guys is under center. Uh, But it just worries me 
for a team that has a left tackle coming off a major injury, um, who just seems to be getting injured all over the place on the offensive line, why you saw those guys starting, the, the, the starting five that Antonio mentioned. I don't... For a lot of guys who played a lot of minutes last year and over the last couple of years, Patrick McCarry played a load of time in that 14-2 and two season uh, when um, uh, Matt Sakura went down at center. And everybody kind of praised Makari, like, oh, wow, you know, this guy, maybe not starter level, but a good backup. I'm afraid that these guys, these second guys, aren't even good backups. And the thing about the offensive line that a lot of people don't realize is it's not just the same five all the time. Like, those guys get rotated in and out during the game. It's not often, but it happens because guys are tired or if you're on a long drive, sometimes you'll give the left guard like a playoff or whatever it is. And I've, in a weird way to describe it, if, if our top offensive line is like our A level, I don't know if we have a B level. I think it goes right to C, and that's concerning. Yeah, it was, it was bad. It was pitiful. It was, it was pitiful. Yeah. Um, I think to Tim's point, the good news is, uh, well, it's good news, bad news. Uh, the, the good news is the offensive line, you know, as Tim said, should be completely different by week one uh and uh, you know bradley bozeman suffered an ankle injury one of the few starters uh in that preseason game um harbaugh did not seem to think it you know too major but yeah to tim's point um the bad news is we don't really have to worry about the playoffs uh, <laughs> if the ravens uh roll this line out it was just tough to watch but i'm not you know, it's week one of the preseason. I'm not getting too worried about it yet. Um, you know, in terms of things we think about this team going forward, I still think they have the potential to be a good offensive line. You know, it's a, as Tim said, it's a tough injury for Ronnie Stanley to come back from. But even if he's, you know, 80, 90% Ronnie Stanley, that's still better than 75% of the left tackles in the NFL. So... I, I, I'm willing to take that, uh, but yeah, um, I don't. You you can't say I guess flush the tape because you. I think you did learn some valuable lessons about who shouldn't should shouldn't be starting. You know, it's unfortunate. Uh, ben Baltimore was hurt for this game because uh, the as Ben Powers not great, um, and he looked good at times last year. I will say I did notice. I did not realize until today uh re-watching it that Alejandro Villanueva even played in this game so that's encouraging I think because usually if you notice offensive linemen it's a bad sign um so I'm fine with him and uh but yeah you know, we gotta just hope these guys uh healthy up because yeah uh the offense could not do much and it came in tandem I should say I guess with the fact that basically no receivers played in this game for the Ravens you know Marquise Brown still out uh, Sammy Watkins, I don't believe played or I didn't see him do anything if he did, uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was rough. It was a rough watch. Well, that's a bad thing too, for the wide receivers, because unlike the offensive linemen, you do want to hear their names, uh, constantly if they're making an impact. I not, and not to steal the, the shine here, because again, like I love trenches football, but I'm not going to sit here and say I am a expert in offensive line play by any stretch of the imagination, but 
there's a lot of stuff we're going to talk about that, yeah, we do a weekly podcast on the Ravens. So maybe we're overreacting a little bit or maybe we're taking too – like we're, we're expecting too much or, I don't know, getting too passionate about this. I was so excited all day for a effing preseason game. So, yeah, I'm going to take this a little bit seriously. My Saturday, by the way, the day you're supposed to have off. And I was just like, is it 7 o'clock yet? I want Ravens football. Um the thing that worries me, and we'll get to the quarterbacks and the wide receivers and stuff, and, and, you can, and you can easily go, starters weren't playing. Lamar wasn't playing. Hollywood wasn't playing. Rashad Bateman's hurt because the Ravens are cursed. The, one, the, the thing that just worries me is the offensive line, guys are going to get hurt. It's a physical position. It's a, it's a tough spot to be in. The Ravens have had terrible injury luck in the past couple of years at that spot, and the guys who played – from the blind, naked eye, not analytical eye, we're getting blown up over and over and over again. And guess what? Maybe they might not be starters, but it wasn't all Saints starters either. They were playing some backups on the defensive line too. So that is where the problem lies. And for me, it's just one of those issues where as soon as we go into a game against whoever it doesn't it, who cares the titans for example or wh- whoever it is and i see patrick mccarry has to start at left guard because someone's out that day with a small knock i'm immediately incredibly nervous and worried because they showed they they showed they can't be relied on and that's a bad thing a larger point about the offensive line is tim we may have seen i, I think it's a great point that they have an a lineup and then they have a c lineup and they don't have a b and this may provide some insight into why the Ravens in the offseason signed a guy like Jawan James, who hasn't played, has been hurt, is a, essentially a reclamation project, and they gave him millions of dollars. Uh, in theory, if he does stay on the team and makes the roster, he seems like the definition of a guy that once he is healthy, if he can play, is going to be a depth guy, is the B offensive lineman, so... I think they maybe they knew in the offseason the issues with a lot of these second-string linemen that then we see them in a game where they have to put up more minutes and more plays than uh, they should be seeing in a regular season game. But it is, it is definitely concerning. Trace McSorley got the start here. He's in a sort of a camp battle with Tyler Hundley as to who's going to be the backup quarterback. And when he started, the first few, not the first few, the first dozen dropbacks where he had like five-step drops I texted you guys but I I honestly I'm not sure now looking back on it it seemed on every five-step drop even seven-step drop that he was just immediately on the heels of his offensive linemen specifically the guards in the center and my first instinct was looking at him and he was taking like baby steps maybe he's he's only six foot his drop back doesn't seem deep enough he's can't step forward into a throw but then I started thinking, well, maybe the center of the line is just getting shoved back into his face, and it ruined every pass play. He had no chance, basically, with both of these things happening. And I'm going to use that as a sort of a turn here to talk about the quarterbacks, because if your line's not blocking and can't hold, and your quarterback can't sort of find any space to throw or any crease, it's not going to look good for either of them. And Trace McSorley certainly struggled uh, in an important half of football for him and what's going to end up being due to injury his only half of preseason football so guys your thoughts on the quarterback the back should say the backup quarterback situation with the Ravens 
I think Tyler Huntley's way better than <laughs> Trace McSorley, at least for what the Ravens need from their backups. That being said, to be fair to Trace McSorley, as you mentioned, uh, he did play the first half, which meant he was going up against the better of the Saints defenders, so you kind of have to weigh that. But I think, I don't know, nothing I've ever seen from McSorley makes me think he's really an NFL quarterback. And to be fair, I don't know that Huntley is either. Um, I think even more so than certainly the line discussion, the drop-off from Lamar Jackson to the Ravens' number two QB is staggering. And um, I know not every team's going to have, you know, Andy Dalton as a backup quarterback or what have you, but... Oh, uh, he's QB1, by the way, so... <laughs> well, for now. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, I I don't know. McSorley has just never been a guy I look at and view. And now, as you said, he's hurt. He apparently, he, like... He hurt his back, like, moving boxes or something, is, like, what Jeff Zarevic reported. Uh, before this game, like, or weeks ago, game. right? Yeah, and Harbaugh said he was, like, having, what, what exactly? I have it right, I have it right here, by the okay. way. Okay, yeah, go for it. So, yeah. it pulled it up, this is from Jameson Hensley uh, at ESPN, and he goes, quote, McSorley injured his back, picking up a box on Saturday, just hours before the Ravens preseason <laughs> opener. He played with back spasms. He went 11 of 18, which seems wrong. Uh, 86 yards and a pick. <laughs> I, I'm not doubting Jameson Hensley. Just watching that game, I would have never guessed that he only he went 11 of 18. Uh, quote from Harbaugh, he wrenched it in some way. He's going to be out for a few weeks with that situation. So th- there it is. Continue, James. Well, so here's what concerns me about that is they have a QB with back spasms who injured it that day, and they're still like, Oh, let's start him over Tyler Huntley. Like that like even though I do think Huntley's better personally, that's not encouraging that the coaching staff's like, well, let's play that guy with the hurt back ahead of <laughs> this guy. So I don't I don't know. My uh pod, uh pod like a Raven power listener and good friend Nikki P, uh he texted me a, an interesting question I hadn't really thought of. Um he he asked he was we were texting and he asked if Lamar's, you know, vax status it might be a reason the Ravens carry three quarterbacks throughout the season. I thought it was kind of intriguing. I think I think it's sort of a possibility. I hadn't even thought of it. I still think they might end with three quarterbacks because they seem to like doing that since Lamar became quarterback. I don't know if it's Lamar's play style, which is always in the back of your mind, you know. he, he Lamar's a big guy, been durable to this point, but I think you, you know, he, he he's run for over a thousand yards two years in a row and has taken some hits. A lot of quarterbacks do not. So I don't know if that's part of it. I They seem to like McSorley for whatever reason. So I'm sure the whole somehow end up with a spot because it seems like a very John Harbaugh thing to do. Um, but if I was running the team, I think I'd just turn the keys over. I mean, Huntley's going to get the run as the backup the rest of camp and probably the... Uh, certainly will be the number two, but I still won't be surprised if McSorley's still kicking around the team, maybe if if it's even just on the, you know, the practice squad after uh, camp's all said and done. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of stuff there from what you just said. One, I 100% think they're carrying three quarterbacks because of Lamar's back status. Um, sad but true. I just, I think that's kind of what they're doing now because they're like, who knows? This guy's already got it twice. Uh, if it happens a third time, 
we might be effed. Might be effed regardless because <laughs> I, I saw a tweet and apologies. It was some NFL reporter and I don't remember who it was. Um, but they, they made this point that NFL teams need to learn to invest in QB2 and make sure you have a viable guy back there. Now, I don't necessarily agree with that. Um, I think that a lot of teams are built with, look, if that guy goes down, if your team is talented enough, you might be able to be competitive with a good backup, but maybe not over the top. So why pay that money if it's just going to take up cap space where you can improve your team otherwise? And then specifically for the Ravens, they do something so different that you need a very specific guy. And, you know, we've seen the history of the league. A lot of running quarterbacks or quarterbacks who are asked to run the option, and, and in, especially in the pros, not always the best passers, you know. And, and it's, it's a rare commodity. That's why there's so few of them. That's why Lamar is such a unicorn. Um, on McSorley, we should preface this with the caveat that Harbaugh said post game that they had to kind of change the offense and kind of make it a little bit cookie cutter because the back spasms because McSorley was moving before a game or something or whatever he was doing. Um, and so, you know, I was in, uh, very upset during the game watching him play. You hear that grain of salt. Fine. Okay. I get it. Like they're not running what they were going to run with him. That's fine. I don't understand the whole... There's like a cult of Ravens fans that love Trace McSorley. I don't know if they're Penn State fans too. I don't know if they like his rap single that apparently like blew up on TikTok or something. Uh, Can't ask me. I have no idea. Never downloaded the app once. I don't get it. I don't see it. I think he is... I don't think he's even an NFL third stringer. I think he is that bad. Um, And... he seems like a nice enough guy. Like I've heard interviews with him and stuff and I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to be mean in any way, shape or form. And, and again, grain of salt with the whole vanilla cookie cutter offense, what have you backups playing in the second half. But I'm sitting here watching it with my friend Garrett, loyal listener too. We're just shouting out all our listeners here on Pod Like a Raven. And we're sitting there going, are they going to give McSorley the entire half? They're giving him the entire half. Put Huntley in. Like, what are we doing here? Like we've seen what we, and this is before we even knew about the injury. We've seen what we need to see from this guy. Get him out. Let Huntley get the reps. And Huntley came in, and you saw you saw the spark that the team needed. You saw this life. I mean, obviously him and Lamar are friends. You saw, like, the, the sideline getting G'd up for them, and that, that doesn't mean everything. But the offense started to move a little bit and flow. And it's really hard to account for some of that stuff in preseason. And, and maybe McSorley's a better passer. But yeah, I'm Chase, it's not always fun to just agree all the time. But I'm 100% with you in this camp that Huntley needs to be the backup on this team because he is the most similar to Lamar Jackson in such a unique offense that we have. He is clearly a step down, obviously. But I think that gives you a better chance to be competitive and win a game, you know, if if Lamar's out for a game and you have to play the Bengals or something, Huntley might be able to do it in a serviceable manner. Do I still think they should, if they could, maybe upgrade the position? Sure. I just think it's so hard for the Ravens over other teams because of what they run. Um, and, you know, it is unfortunate. I think the injury, and you never want to wish injuries on guys, obviously, but the injury keeping them out of camp, I think... You know, we're talking about something that's already decided now. 
with Tyler Huntley being the backup quarterback, and it's basically now will McSorley be on the team or not at this point, which is sad. You never want a guy's maybe career to end that way. Um, and then just finally, the Ravens have brought back Kenji Bahar as another arm um, for the roster, and he went to Calvert Hall. Yeah, Hall. <laughs> the McSorley stuff, just to tie a bow on it, and then we don't. This doesn't want to have to be a, the episode where we all bash Trace McSorley, but I don't get it. Drafted as a third quarterback, drafted as a project, as a guy who should never have played last season, but then with the injuries plural to RG3 maybe it was just with the hamstring where he was out for a large chunk of the season and then Trace McSorley got reps got a start got a lot of playing time for a guy that really should have just sort of been buried uh, on the depth chart that then with the the departure of the release of RG3 is suddenly there's a space now where he is in you know in theory he could be the number two quarterback but he never really should have been that. That never really was supposed to be his role. He was this guy that they wanted to just sort of test out and see how he did. And that may be what he ends up being. I agree that they will probably keep three quarterbacks just because of the style, the vaccine issues, and they've done that the last few years. And it's kind of right for him to be the third string quarterback on this type of team. He's a six foot late round draft pick who hasn't really looked great when he's played. <laughs> So I'm comfortable. I actually, I like Huntley. Uh, I think he did about as well as he possibly could have in that Bills playoff game coming into that circumstance. Uh, showed me a lot for a guy that knew very little about the offense, had a very little experience in a playoff game, that type of environment where n- neither of the quarterbacks seemed to be able to throw the ball, and then he had to come in and, and try to bring them back from behind. Uh, and so I, I think he's the number two, and then we sort of see with McSorley if he can get healthy and prove that he should be the number three, or maybe this uh, Bahar steals, steals a spot if, uh, if McSorley can't suit up, if he can't make the roster, if he's still hurt, and just never do things before a game. Never do important things. <laughs> as maybe the biggest game of McSorley's life where he had to prove that he should stay on this team and keep his spot. I don't know what he's doing, but anyway. Uh, last notes before we get off of this game. Guys, we didn't talk about it last week because uh, it, the news came out, I think, the next day. But one of the players absent from this game, Rashad Bateman, he had groin surgery. Of course, he's out at least a month, will most likely miss week one because, as Tim said, the Ravens are cursed. Uh, anything else that you guys want to talk about from the game or surrounding uh, the game before we uh, move on here? I just have two quick things. Um, the Bateman injury, is just it's just terrible because... For a rookie, too, you know, we talked about it with Patrick Queen, Malik Harris, and these guys in their second year really learning stuff. Uh, but the rookies, especially now that they have camp and they have reps and they can do things that Bateman was able to do, this is such a good learning time for him that he is just losing. So, yeah, he misses a month. Let's say he misses week one, he's here for week two. But he's not really caught up to anything. So he can't really feature as much as he probably would have if he had a full training camp. And that bleeds all the way into the season where, God willing, if he stays healthy... You know, you're not going to see Rashad Bateman make an impact if he does until week, I would even say like eight, like middle of the season, because it takes a while to get up to game speed. And that just is terrible. Um, speaking of receivers as well, a quick note, I was I was very disappointed in Tylen Wallace. Um, I think that's a guy that we all were pretty excited about when the Ravens drafted him and they got him in like the fourth round and some people had him as a second rounder and it was only because of an injury and 
he's got big, strong hands, and he catches everything in his radius, and he muffed a punt. He made another good catch, but only ca- could only keep one foot in because Huntley kind of threw the ball wide. And I don't know. And pro- I was probably expecting too much, um, but, you know, thinking with the lack of receivers that were playing, I thought Tylen Wallace would get more of a shining role, and he didn't even start the game. I don't think he even came in until, like, the second half, which is concerning when, you know, I look at the box score and you've got guys like Jalen Moore and Ben, I guess that's Benjamin, Benjamin Victor, like guys I've never heard of making catches, um, as you can clearly tell. And then the other one, just just quickly, uh, Tyson Williams, the running back, number 34, uh, I, I thought was pretty impressive. Um, I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to be tough for him to get into this team because he is very much Gus Edwards, just not as good as Gus Edwards. And I think they like having a scat back in Justice Hill, although Justice Hill has shown nothing at the NFL level to say that he's actually a quality running back. But if Tyson Williams continues to impress, he had 10 carries for 41 yards. He also had five catches for 23 yards. A bruiser with hands, it looks like, too, um, especially on a night where the offensive line just couldn't block anything. You know, he, he was bouncing off guys. He was moving his feet a kind of Ravens-like running back that you love to see, like power and just strength and, and not going down after the first man. So I was impressed with him uh, as a positive note. The, and then, the, Sorry, one more thing. I might have to watch the game on mute. Um, I, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying bring back Dan Fouts. I would never say that. But Rod Woodson and Mike Nolan, love him to death. Rod Woodson, Super Bowl champion. Mike Nolan, a fine defensive coordinator who got boosted by Ed Reed and Ray Lewis. <laughs> it, uh, d- oh, it was bad. And I, I, don't, I don't think Rod had watched anything or done any reading because all he did was just relate things to Ray Lewis, which is great. We all love Ray. That's an easy win for us Ravens fans. But it was just, oh, this reminds me of Ray. Yeah, we, know, we know you played with him, Rod. We, under, we understand. Oh, this reminds me of Ray. Ray retired a long time ago. We love him, too. We know. We know. It was, it was unbearable. And, you know, Jerry Sandusky, consummate professional. I like Jerry. Um, Hayes in the Barn is a great tagline. But, man, that was bad listening to those guys. I, uh, I had the unfortunate uh, duty, I guess you call it. I was working this evening. Uh, I was also on Tebow Watch uh, for work, so I had two TVs going. Was that your job? Was, was that your job, Tebow Watch? Pretty much, yeah. Oh, uh, I mean, That's a shame. I ended up. I, it was one of the things we were monitoring, which uh, I I ended up writing something off of it, but it did not get published till the next morning. What did, What did you think alert, of his chop block? What did you think of his block? Well, yeah, I was gonna say he did nothing <laughs> of note. Uh, had two very bad blocks, uh, and looked like he almost had a catch, but Tavon Austin was in the exact same area as him, which is. That's a whole other thing. We don't have to talk about Tim Tebow anymore. But so I missed most of the calls. But um, yeah, just the Bateman thing. I, I I said a little earlier in the show. I don't want to panic. You don't want to panic over the first preseason game. But he's hurt, and Marquise Brown is still running on an adjacent field, which is great. <laughs> Run on the regular practice field. My God, Sammy Watkins got hurt today with what. Uh, as we record with apparently seemingly minor issue per John Harbaugh, but someone's got to catch the ball. The blocking, that wasn't there, as we mentioned. The lines in shambles. <laughs> Every wide receiver that's good is hurt in some capacity. I, I'm i a little scared about the offense, and I am glad, as a bow, I guess, uh, that 
Lamar Jackson did not play in this game for all the aforementioned factors. I initially thought I was like, oh, it'd be good for Lamar to get in time. I was a little surprised he wasn't. And then watching it all unfold, I was like, yeah, good call, coach. Yeah, It's back to Ravens football. Yeah, Atrocious, god-awful <laughs> offense and top-tier defense with six takeaways. We're going to win games 9-6 to six for the rest of the season. Can't wait. What, one final thing I do want to just mention. Uh, can we turn Chris Verity uh, into... A draft pick from some team. We obviously we heisted uh, a fifth round pick from the Vikings several years ago for Kari Vedvik, uh, who they I believe cut two weeks into the season. Um, that turned into Marcus Peters too, part of the Marcus Peters trade. Yes, sir. So let's do that again. Verity hit both his field goals long of I believe fifty three. Uh, so yeah, that's good to see, and it's always great. Uh, you know, it's it's a great situation for those kickers because. You know, you're you're putting your skills on display. You know you're not going to make the team, but he's auditioning for someone else. Uh, and uh, Jay Tuck drilled his one fifty-six yard field goal and called it a night. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, let's uh, let's get a let's get a draft pick for a backup kicker. Uh, that's that's my other takeaway. My my final takeaway from this game. Jace, you mentioned there at a certain point, somebody for the Ravens has to catch the ball, and I was just going to answer, do they? Uh, If all these receivers are out, are they just going to stick with 10 passing attempts per game? Uh, I'm just praying for the Mark Andrews foot injury to not rear its ugly head in like week three of the season. But we move on from this. Now, we're going to turn quickly into a little few minutes on, uh, on the NFL, but before that... It's time for the Random Raven. And Tim, you are up this week, so why don't you uh, give us those clues? This one is a doozy, I think. Um, Another one in my camp of, I remember this guy being way better, and I look up the stats, and I'm like, he did nothing in Baltimore. Oh, my God. So I think you guys, I think you two will get this one. I don't know about the listener. We'll see. All right, so clue number one. This player had an eight-year NFL career. Spending his last two seasons, 2006 and 2007, in Baltimore. But he never started a game for the Ravens. I'm going to read this. I took this clue right off of Wikipedia, so I'm just going to read it direct there. This player spent four seasons in the United States Marine Corps upon completion of high school in order to earn educational benefits and in consideration of a possible military career. While in the Marine Corps at Camp Pendleton, he played on the 11th Marines contact football team where he was seen by an assistant coach for Mount San Jacinto Junior College. Uh, this kind of melts into clue three. After junior college, he went into, yeah, he went to Utah after that. To get I was you pretending there. that I knew that <laughs> school that Tim mentioned that I've never heard of. Sorry, so, please continue. No, you're good. Mix it into clue number three. After playing at Utah, he was drafted out of Utah in the sixth round of the 2000 draft by another AFC team. While at Utah, and this is just more a fun thing, it's not going to help you at all, he was teammates with another former Raven, Steve Smith. Clue number four. His best season was his rookie year, where he rushed for over 1,400 yards. He rushed for 1,000 yards in his final season in the AFC West as well, but he didn't even reach a total of 300 yards in his two seasons in Baltimore. (laughs) And my final clue... uh, Yeah. My final clue, I love to do the... This player wore the same number as so-and-so. There are no significant players that wore the number 38. So he wore the number 38. And I have a bonus clue at the end as well, if we need it. Sadly, I think I know who it is. I don't know if you... Oh, man, (laughs) I do not. This is such an interesting era for the Ravens, because it's like the turn 
It's that that last hope of the Billick era Ravens, and then that crumbling 2007. Before then, they, that we turn a new chapter. I, I that is a moment in time. That is interesting. I never thought anything of it like right now. Number thirty-eight. What in the? All right. All well, right. Well, here, here, Antonio. I'll do the bonus clue now, so the listeners have. Okay. And it, it, it's very. It's it's not a very specific clue, but it, it does give away the team, the AFC West team. It was the Denver Broncos, and he was just one. He was on that long line of guys for the Broncos who just rushed for a thousand yards, like just. I'm all over it. There it is, Tim. That's yep. what it. That's what it took. I. I'm ninety-nine percent sure now. And that's right. He did. Yeah. Oh, that's disappointing. If you would ask me, sort of the same thing that Tim said, if you would ask me what this guy's numbers were in two seasons, I probably would have said 1,000 combined yards. Instead, it's how many? Three? 300? Under, under 300 for the two oh, seasons. no. Yeah. <laughs> well, that is, uh, that's a random raven, Tim, and we will go over that. I want a listener to get this one. Listeners, please send us something if you were able to get this particular player, because this is like the definition of a random raven. We'll turn now to the NFL, where I really have one thing to talk about. There have not been a ton of big headlines. We don't need to go through box scores of preseason games. But what is one thing that happened across the NFL? And it is the debut of several high-profile rookie quarterbacks making their first couple of throws, first couple of safe plays uh, in an NFL uniform. And so I want to go... Just quickly, if you guys have any thoughts, if you saw any of their play, talking about Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Mac Jones, and others, all getting their first couple of series. I'm going to go first here quickly, and then I'll toss to you guys with whatever you want to say. Obviously, I don't think any of us watched all of these games in their entirety, especially as they were happening. But in looking at highlights, and looking at very condensed recaps of these players... Trevor Lawrence looked like a rookie, looked like he was getting his first few plays. I'm, you know, this is so early. There's so much conjecture here. These guys are all going to get better. But compared to one another with just a couple of plays, a couple of blitzes their way, Trevor Lawrence is doing a lot of backpedaling uh, in his first couple of plays, not really rolling out or stepping up, just sort of doing the... The Kyle Bowler off his back foot <laughs> throws to the sidelines, uh, which did not impress me too much. Whereas Trey Lance, uh, my goodness, he had a very an 80-yard touchdown pass that I think traveled 50 yards in the air, uh, sort of from one where he was planted on one hash mark and threw essentially to the other sideline, the far sideline. And then had some other plays in the pocket where, like, the timing was right, the footwork was right, he was stepping into throws, uh, avoiding pressure in some instances. Really impressed with Trey Lance. That is going to be a fascinating couple of weeks in San Francisco as to whether or not he can steal Jimmy Garoppolo's starting spot or how many weeks into the season that may happen. Um, and then Justin Fields, sort of a slow start but looked pretty good, had a couple of touchdowns in his game. Uh I think I, I didn't really love him coming out of college. I had a, a, some doubts about him, so I, I might, uh, I'm afraid that I'm going to get proven wrong here because he looked pretty strong in his first actions. Uh, but yeah, I'd have to put him, if the order for those three guys at least is Lance at the top, then Fields, then Lawrence uh, after one week of NFL preseason play, 
any things that you guys saw or, or liked from from them or other you know rookie quarterbacks? Yeah, so the other guy you didn't mention because you don't have to because he's basically just a more talented Chad Pennington is Mac Jones. Um, I only saw highlights of the game, but all right, he threw a couple dig routes and some underneath stuff. Great. Bill Belichick is going to do the he's going to manage the game. Don't don't turn over the ball. Throw like for two hundred and one yards. A touchdown and no interceptions is rookie year, and they're going to win 11 games, and it's going to be infuriating. Um, out of these, so I, w- I was dual TV in it, and Trevor Lawrence was playing at the same time as the Ravens, and so I kind of would flash over t- there while watching the Ravens games or breaks and play, what have you. Yeah, he looked like a rookie. Um, the hair, still magnificent. The headband, top-notch, but... If I'm a Jaguars fan, the Jaguars fans, he'd complete a pass, and the Jaguars fans would lose it, which I get it. You know, you're the, the Jaguars. I understand. But I didn't see anything there that blew my socks off. The one guy that I, I, I didn't see a ton of Trey Lance, I saw the highlight, the 80 yard bomb, and it's like, it was a good throw. The guy's wide open. So I don't know why we're completely freaking out about this throw. I will say that. Jace looks like he disagrees. We'll get to that in a second. <laughs> um, Justin Fields, though. I watched Justin Fields, and I actually had that on, again, kind of on Saturday when I was waiting for the game. I had that on as second screen while I was doing some other stuff. And one, for the love of Chicago, play that kid. Because those fans <laughs> lost their mind when he came into the game. It's all they want to see. No disrespect to Andy Dalton, but they want nothing to do with the Red Rifle. They're, all they want is Justin Fields. And... The way I'll put it, and this is incredibly analytical of me, I know, and really groundbreaking, but he just did stuff. He just made plays. He just, like, he got out of the pocket when he needed to. He he moved around in the right ways when he needed to. He had stuff. He had stuff that just worked. That run, that touchdown run, he kind of looked like, he's one of these guys that looks like he's moving slow, but he is moving fast because he is just, he's a big guy. He's squat. And he runs in the end zone, he kind of bounces off a defensive back, and you're like, how did nobody catch it? Like, this is definitely a preseason speed, but then you're like, well, he made the play. And I feel like he's going to be one of those guys. Like, the, Ro- the Roethlisberger's comparison, just because of how big they are, that I've seen a lot of that, the Big Ben, Justin Fields thing. But not only the body type and stuff, but that's what, just by watching him again, and as Antonio said, caveats, 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 first preseason game, backups, what have you. I got a little bit of the Big Ben vibe from him, like early Big Ben. Like he's in the pocket, he shakes one guy off, he's kind of stumbling to the right, and it doesn't look athletic, and it doesn't look like Lamar like running at somebody, but it's gonna work. And that was what what really interested me in Justin Fields. Um, yeah, to I certainly think I disagree with you, Tim. That Trey Lance throw was amazing. It was the single best throw. A, a rookie QB made. I mean, to to roll left, plant, and then basically throw cross field like, you know, he's throwing like thirty, what, probably twenty yards across the field and like thirty yards, forty yards up the field. That like it, it's just insane arm strength. That being said, I think that play you kind of saw. I think in this game, and I'll admit I wasn't fully locked into this, but um, just the full the full microcosm of Trey Lance. So. He, he had that play, which I think was just a magnificent throw. Uh, but then he, he did end the game 5 for 14 
and was sacked four times. Um, so you kind of saw, I think, you with that play, you see the potential, you see... But then in the final stat line, you kind of see why he's more of a project QB and why Jimmy G, you know, might still start probably this season for them. Uh, you know, comparatively, um, you know, Trey Lance 5 for 14. Josh Rosen, apparently on the 49ers now, went 10 for 15. But... Uh, for, for 93 yards compared to Lance's 128 yards on five completions. So that was, that was interesting. I certainly was in, intrigued by the entirety of that package because, you, you know, you see the potential and then some of the rookie struggles. But to your point, too, on Lawrence, uh, that's probably the game I watched the most of the rookie QBs. I did watch the Patriots game as well, um, which I thought Mac Jones was fine. You know, he, he moved them up the field a little bit on one drive and they didn't ask him to do too much. Um, but I don't know if they're just, they took Tom Brady for granted, but, uh, to your point on the bears fans, Patriots fans just lost their mind over Mac Jones. They gave him a standing O when he went into the game. Every time he completed a pass, they like went, went crazy, like, especially when it was a pass more than like, he had like one, like first, I think his longest pass was like 16 yards or something. And he, he, he had like one completion and the fans just like completely lost it. And, uh. Uh, yeah, like, yeah, his, his long, uh, well, he, he was 13 for 19 for 87 yards. He averaged 4.6 yards, uh, completion. Uh, so yeah, he wasn't asked to do too much. He looked fine for what he was doing, but, uh, Cam, did Cam things. They're, they're still not going to be a very dynamic offense up in New England, but to Tim's point, they're absolutely winning 11 games and making the playoffs. Um, to just round it out, Trevor Lawrence, definitely the game I watched the most of, and, uh, yeah, I think, you know, he had his very uh, welcome to the NFL moment. You're not on the Clemson Tigers where every offensive lineman is a four or five star recruit. You're, uh, you know, not that everyone in the NFL probably, you know, is the best of the best. So his offensive line's better, but he's going against, uh, his offensive line is not completely outmatching uh, the other teams. And you saw that when he was sacked on his very first play in the NFL, uh, which is very kind of a, I think, a little bit of a wake-up call. He did have some nice plays. He had that, you know, maybe got a little lucky for it, but he threw it a little high. But that that uh, that, that pass up the seam he hit to Marvin Jones, where Jones made a really great catch. That was, you know, that was he showed off the rocket arm on that one. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I think... I, I almost worry for him a little bit. You wonder if he's maybe got too much hype. I think the the good news maybe is it's a lot of hype, but he's playing in Jacksonville. So, you know, you're not facing a ton, I think, of fan pressure, of media pressure, certainly. It's not like he's playing for the Jets like it would have been uh, for that. So, you know, room to grow. I don't think Jags fans are too worried. But, uh, yeah, I don't... I don't know that we should expect Trevor Lawrence to be like Peyton Manning as prime. It it is funny. Well, Peyton Manning was really bad as a rookie too. It is funny. (laughs) Like, you know, we had it with Lamar because everybody was excited. New era, the boring Joe years we're kind of tired of, but Trevor Lawrence is obviously like the guy that everybody's been waiting for, for years. So the Jaguars fans, can you imagine if he was a jet, you know, and they didn't completely screw that up um, (laughs) by winning the game? That they would just be like every throw, like I'm probably, I'm sure in Jacksonville, it's like every throw is analyzed and dissected, but it would be on a national scale with the Jets. I, one thing, because I know we're going to move on, we're wrapping up here on Pod Like a Raven, but I do want to say, uh, as a PSA to the great football fans, all you NFL fans, um, 
There is one cause that I need you to get behind from a footballing aspect here. So nobody gets mad at me. Just from a footballing aspect. Write your congressman. Tweet at Roger Goodell. Take out an opinion letter in your local newspaper. Whatever you have to do to get this taunting rule gone before week one. It is the most asinine thing I have ever seen from the National Football League. And this league has done some stupid in their time. I, I edit this podcast. I don't feel like putting bleeps in, so I'm just going to leave it there. The, the play that I'm referencing, and there was a couple of the Ravens one where he points at him. I'm like, what are we doing? The, the whole point of this defensive players and offensive players, too. I want my players to have swag. I want my players to be mean. I want my players to go in there to beat the other man into the ground for four quarters and 60 minutes. That's how you win football games. Even in this, as the old man yells at Cloud, even in this new NFL where you really can't hit anybody anymore. The play comes from the Colts-Panthers game. Uh, Colts running back Benny LeMay. If you haven't seen this, just look it up. Benny LeMay, L-E-M-A-Y, is the running back. And he, and he it's like a halfback dive, and he gets like 15 yards, and most of the time he is dragging guys with him. Like, they are, there's like three guys on him, and he's pumping his feet, pumping his feet. A good old Gus Edwards run that, that we love to see. He gets up, and to nobody, but he kind of got tackled, and he's facing all the players because he got tackled and kind of like turned around. So when he gets up, he's facing other players. But he's not looking at anybody, really. And he's not, you know, he's not screaming at anybody. He flexes. That man works day in and day out in the gym and on the football field to be bigger, better, and stronger than everybody else on that field to, to make a living for himself. And the man flexed. He flexed and got a 15-yard penalty. In a, in a league about machismo, in a league about aggression, in a league about, you know, being the biggest, baddest son of a... on the, on the planet. That's what it's all about. And... They're giving these guys 15-yard penalties. It is going to ruin games in the National Football League if referees are made to do this call. So it's, it's happened before. We need to make sure that the commissioner comes out and goes, all right, you know what? Sorry, we screwed it up. And by week one, get it out of there. Will that happen? Absolutely not, because the NFL just makes asinine decisions all the time, like I said before. But god willing some miracle comes because it's gonna it's it's going to be terrible like guaranteed it is going to piss people off week in and week out well i'm glad you mentioned this tim because it's a thousand percent gonna cost the ravens again that's some oh marcus <laughs> marcus peters is in big trouble here aren't you glad that matt judon isn't on the team anymore oh my god well the, the one the annoying thing though is like this is like a competition committee thing so this is like nflpa coaches they like all got someone was like we need to crack down on this but i don't know who these people are it has to be heavily on the coaches because i i don't know i just i don't understand it at all but yeah to your point tim i, I meant to mention it actually of things i disliked but yeah it's a thousand percent going to you're gonna see it in a ravens game <laughs> for sure all right, speaking of the Ravens, last thing to do here, quick preview. Ravens with another football game, guys. Now they just start happening uh, almost every week. And again, Saturday, 7 o'clock, Ravens against the Carolina Panthers. We don't care if the Ravens win or lose, streak, you know, whatever, get to 19 wins. I don't think anybody inside the Ravens organization or outside really cares. But what do we care? What are we going to look for in this game uh, what players are are we going to pay attention to? 
And then my, my second question here, and you can take it however you want. What of the good stuff that we saw in the first preseason game do we expect, do we want to see again in this game? And then what of the bad from that preseason game do we think can be fixed in, in the course of a week? And, and what small adjustments are we hoping to see uh, in game two of the preseason? I'll go quickly. It, it, it goes without saying, stay healthy, obviously. Um, I don't, with Tyler Huntley in there, because I assume Lamar's not going to play, I don't really know what you get from the offense. Um, you're not going to get really anything, as we talked about before. But kind of going on the whole theme of this show, I want to see Ben Cleveland. I want to see Kevin Zeitler. We have, we've basically written in Ben Cleveland yeah. as our starting left guard. But that's not a guarantee. The guy's a rookie. He's a third-round pick. We're just kind of writing that in when he got drafted because the guy is a mythological creature. So we just assume <laughs> that he's going to be the starter at left guard. Let's see if he is. Let's see if he's even a B-level, maybe an A-level guy. And, the, and if he's another C-level, this team is in deep trouble. Because he might be. We don't know. The, like, the NFL draft is a crapshoot a lot of the time. So I'm very interested to see that. Uh, we know Kevin Zeitler. You know, if Kevin Zeitler comes in, He's a proven vet. We know what he is, but it would be cool to see him. And so, yeah, that offensive line as a whole, we're not going to see Ronnie Stanley, I imagine, but just any sort of improvement. And, and by that, I mean competency. And then on the defensive side, I don't know. I just want to watch more Adafi Owe now. Like, he's just <laughs> a fun guy to watch. And so I don't really have a ton on the defense. You know, the six turnovers would be great again. I don't expect that, obviously. But let's see if they can get after Sam Darnold, who plays for the Panthers now, remember. <laughs> Um, a little bit there, but yeah, for me, it, for me, it's the offensive line. Like I, I want to see who plays. I want to see if this is panic button stuff or it's just, that was a load of backups playing in a first preseason game. And, uh, yeah. And obviously I want to see Ben, excuse me, Baltimore feature. <laughs> yeah. Tim nailed it. Cause, uh, yeah, now with Huntley, I feel like outside of just health, and improve line play. We know almost everything we need to know about the offense, I think, at this point, or that we're going to know in preseason. Defense, keep the aggressive attacking mentality, as Tim said. Uh, Sam Darnold plays for the Panthers. Uh, let's get some picks. Uh, let's, As you mentioned, Antonio, not a lot of picks last year for these Ravens. So if this is something they can do a lot more of this season, great. My last note here is let's see Patrick Queen string strong games together even if he only plays a couple of series a quarter and this is going to start to get less and less as, as we get closer to the regular season for any starters who actually are playing in these games but uh let's hear a couple more comparisons to ray lewis because that's <laughs> definitely a thing that you should be doing uh in a preseason game about a second year linebacker as tim mentioned so let's see some good plays from queen and get a little snowball effect here with a middle linebacker who we would love to see just blossom uh into a pro bowl caliber player for the ravens all right last thing left to do here tim you have some random raven clues to reread for us and uh and we'll get on out of here all right so clue number one here this player had an eight-year nfl career spending his last two seasons 2006 and 2007 in Baltimore, he never started a game for the Ravens. Clue number two, he spent four years in the United States Marine Corps upon completion of high school in order to earn educational benefits and consider a possible military career. Uh, he ended up playing football there. He got recognized by a junior college. Keep that one short. In number three, he then moved to Utah. He was drafted out of Utah in the sixth round of the 2000 draft by another AFC team. 
while at Utah, he was teammates with Steve Smith. Clue number four, his best season was his rookie year, where he rushed for over 1,400 yards. He rushed for 1,000 yards in his final season in the AFC West as well, but didn't reach even a total of 300 yards in Baltimore. I looked it up. It's 245 specifically. In 2006, he rushed for 183 yards. In 2007, he rushed for 62 yards total. Uh, clue, the- yeah, clue number five, and he played eight games too, so like really bad. Clue number five, I usually like to try and make it tough to guess the number, but no significant Ravens or even random Ravens have ever really worn 38. So he wore number 38. And then the bonus clue, which helped Antonio, I believe, he was one of the running backs in Denver who just seemed to churn out 1,000-yard seasons because of that Mike Shanahan offense, Gary Kubiak offense, what have you. And, yeah, if you need the other bonus, too, which Antonio said he relates, I remember this guy being great. I remember him signing for the Ravens and being like, that's going to be a player, and he just wasn't. Uh, yeah, I came up with a name here. Jace, I'll, I'll throw mine out, and then we can have you uh, agree or disagree before Tim shares who it is. But uh, I believe this is one Mike Anderson. Uh, that's the name that's, that I've That's who with. I think it is as well. It is Mike Anderson. Congratulations, guys. Wow. That was, boy, Mike, not a, lot of, not a lot of yards for the Ravens, which is okay. <laughs> Uh, I uh, I actually got him shockingly, I think, early, because when Tim said he was in the military, I just, like, I jogged my brain. I was like, what Ravens players have ever been in the military? And Mike Anderson popped into my head. But, yeah, I I don't know what I thought. I don't, uh, I don't, I guess I didn't feel like, uh, I, dissimilar to you guys, didn't feel like Mike Anderson did a ton, but I certainly thought he did more than 245 yards. I, uh, in, I think my favorite part of that was that he was teammates with Steve Smith, who then came to the Ravens like 10 years after yeah. <laughs> Mike Anderson did. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, NFL's a weird place. But, that Tim, that's yeah. a fantastic choice for a random Raven, and uh, one that had not been used somehow. Like So, uh, just he was so random with that 38 that, not even your co-hosts could find him in a list of players. Uh, all right, that's that's going to do it for us this week. Anything else, guys? Excited for uh, for some more football this weekend? Can't wait. Yeah. It's going to be crap, but I can't wait for it. Joint practices with the Panthers this week in the lead-up to that game. So let's see if fights, any fights, bad... fights, yeah, fights, 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 fights. <laughs> was that Ben Mason who was getting into fights with his own yeah, teammates? Ben, ben like Mason he'll be a prime a contender. Percent, yeah, getting in a fight with. Uh, uh, a Panthers defensive tackle. <laughs> we will be back next week to talk about all of those. The fights, the practices, the games, and hopefully some good news on the injury front for this long list of uh, maimed Ravens. But for now, that'll do it. For Jay Sevens and Tim Horsey, I'm Antonio Barbera. Thank you, as always, for listening to us on Pod Like a Raven. We will see you next week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.